I'm your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to a brand new series of the Bantaflix Movie Review Podcast, or as we've dubbed it now, More Than Pixels on a Screen. It's a new name for the pod, but it's the same old voices. On this episode, I'm joined by one half of Bantaflix's Sleuth Sisters and our deputy editor, Joe McElroy. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm good. It's good to have you in the pod. We're here in the studio. As I said, when we made our little attempt to reboot the pod last year, we're not doing it over Zoom, although we will be doing podcasts this series over Zoom again. But we're in a studio physically. I can reach out and touch you, Joe. I see you, Jim. I see you. Oh, there we go. You can see where we're going with our reference already. So this week we're going to be talking about Avatar, The Way of the Water, which is officially now the highest grossing film of 2022. Poor old Tom Cruise must be just sitting raging at the Navi, just sitting there with his wee small tiny fist. Just, uh, he's, he's just going to keep re-releasing Top Gun until he tops it. <laughs> maybe he doesn't figure it. Maybe he, hasn't, maybe he doesn't know yet because he's too busy just jumping out of planes. Tom, Tom, we've got a bit of information for you. Can't speak. But anyway, oh. I don't know where I went with that reference. But anyway, yes, we're going to be talking about Avatar, The Way of the Water, the latest film from Jam, Jams, the latest film from James Cameron. So before we get into talking about that, let's play a clip of the film. Why do you come to us? I just want to keep my family safe. Treat them as our brothers and sisters. Teach them our ways. Keep up, Forest Boy! If you want to live here, you have to ride. Let's do it. Just breathe. So that's a clip of The Way of the Water. Joe, I see you. I see you too, Joe. I see you. Well, I don't actually see you because you can kind of see your forehead. with like a monitor vlogging us. Okay, so we're going to be talking about this, but very quickly, in true Bandaflix style, let's ramble back to 2009. Were you a fan of the original film in this series? I was, but in the strangest thing, I seen it once in cinemas and then I didn't watch it ever again until this one was coming out. It's not that I thought it was bad or anything, it just didn't feel the need to go back to Pandora. But then, of course, James Cameron, he coaxed me back and uh, here we are now. Yeah, because I was the same. I watched this in the cinema. I watched it in 3D. I'm guessing that's how you watched it when it was in the cinema. Yeah. And was never a massive fan. My memory of that experience... I had hurt my foot playing football. So I remember just hobbling into the cinema, hobbling out and kind of going, oh, that really... I don't know how to put this. I never disliked Avatar, but I never loved it. And like you, I've never felt the need to revisit it. I did decide to watch it in the run-up to go and see this in this, the latest film in the cinema. And I had to watch it over two sittings because I fell asleep. So that was what... It was under three hours long. This new release is three hours, 15 minutes. So it is over the three hour mark. James Cameron has promised us, what, four more installments beyond this, depending on its final box office, which looks at this stage pretty good. It's, I think he said it has to make two billion to break even. It's already at 1.5 globally. So it's going to hit that figure. You think about how many films James Cameron has in that top 10 of all time, Titanic's up there, Avatar's up there. I think, I think that's it, but, you know. 
Sounds good. Well, the thing is that there was a thing released there. He's the only filmmaker to have three films that made over 1.5 billion. So I think he's doing all right. I bet he's got a T-shirt with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just walking around. Just, he's got a T-shirt for that. I think because I know in an upcoming episode, we are going to be talking about another James Cameron film, True Lies. That was your pick. We're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. But I am a fan of James Cameron. I do love him as a filmmaker. Avatar was okay. I was impressed by what he did visually. I think the 3D thing kind of didn't really do anything for me. I know that this new film is released in about 17 gazillion different formats. There's the high-res, high-res 3D, high-res IMAX, all that. IMAX, IMAX. The 3D IMAX. i seen it on plane. Good old bog-standard big screen at my local cinema in Lisburn. What did you go for? I went to see it in IMAX 3D. Okay. And um, from what I hear, it is very different. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, did the frame rates change throughout the film for you? Or was it just consistently just a normal thing? I can't remember. It didn't It didn't jar with me. Because remember a couple of years ago, I say a couple of years ago, this could be like a decade. I think was it the last Transformer film? When Michael Bay was filming, was or Michael Bay was was playing about with IMAX cameras, and it was released in cinemas, and there was a whole issue about the frame rate just changing drastically. That bothered me because I don't really like Michael Bay, and I wasn't that invested with what was on screen. But I remember noticing that during that film. Maybe I need to go and rewatch it again. Maybe that this is the lie that James Cameron is filling us with. That's why we're going. That's why it's making one point five billion. Because he's just putting out on Twitter. Yeah, guys, there's uh, issues with the frame rate and bits and bobs. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Maybe I'll go back and rewatch it. Like, fuck it, you've done it again. Uh, sure, he said something along the lines anyway. You know, uh, people were complaining, don't you think three hours is too long? It's like, oh, if you miss it from bathroom break, you can always go again and rewatch that part that you missed. Yeah, that's the way. He's got a titty. He knows what he's doing. He knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. Just maybe not with the more recent Terminator installments. But, nah. you know, he's only there in a kind of advisory capacity or helping out. And, you know, there's a paycheck involved. He's not actually directing. He's clever enough that way. So, Avatar, way of the way of the water. It was out in cinemas just before Christmas. There's not much else out in terms of big heavy hitters. Don't really think what's going to be the big release before the end of the year. Probably the next Marvel film I can think of. Actually, well, I tell you, like there's like the Fableman and stuff like that. But whether that's box office gold, I don't know. So, what did you think, Joe? Well. Just going in, I think the best way to describe it is it's better than the first one. I think it's far, far better. Uh, I think just in terms of how the character's been developed in this one and it's more sort of emotional resonance because it's a more family-orientated film, just to sort of plug the Fast and the Furious franchise. It is very Vin Diesel-heavy in that way. Uh, but I did enjoy it a lot more. I think the even the visuals and the effects of really advanced over the 13 years because like I said I watched the original the night before going to see this one and it's it's almost like night and day because just the clarity and like how you know the character even when you just see a close up of a hand sweeping through water it just looks seamless looks photorealistic uh, and then as for the actual story itself it's just sort of indicative of what James Cameron does best in terms of escalation of action like he'll give you a set piece but it builds and builds and builds and then you have a big grand uh, epic third act you know and it works really well here because of the time he takes to develop all the characters throughout it but I think I, I just thought it was just a brilliant piece of spectacle
Ever wondered what it takes to make it in the movie business? Peel back the curtain with 4-6 Success Filmmaking. 4-6 Success Filmmaking is where filmmakers share their stories and the secrets. It's beyond competitive out there. There have been movies that it's taken me 10 years to get made. Don't wait to create. Like, you've got to just keep making stuff. Tune in to 4-6 Success Filmmaking for your dose of cinematic realness, direct from the voices that have lived it. Yeah, I I enjoyed this much more than I thought I would. I enjoyed it much more than the first film. I think it's it's got a clear idea it's got a clear idea of what it wants to do or I guess not so much clear idea, but just more straightforward in terms of what it's trying to do. You know, Alvin would be proud, as you've alluded to, the fact that it's family focused. We now have we have Jake and uh, I can never remember Zoe Saldana's... Oh, Natiri. Natiri. I can never remember her name. They have now raised a family together and now, due to various reasons, I guess we'll maybe do a little spoiler alert at some point with this film and uh, say, look, if you haven't watched it, you know, go see it and, you know, help James get the two billion that he so desperately needs. But I think there's certain plot points that may be kind of verging into spoilerific territory that we kind of, kind of have to talk around at this stage. I think it's much more kind of streamlined in what it wants to do, although it is longer, as we've already mentioned. Visually, like you say, I think it is absolutely stunning. And one thing that, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, I was thinking of throughout my time watching the film, how below par or how, I mean, this is set, and once again, like Avatar did in 2009, it sets a new benchmark for special effects. It makes you realise, particularly some of the most recent output from the MCU, how shite some of the special effects. And I mean, I'll throw in, I know you didn't like the film either, the last Jurassic Park film, or Jurassic World, as it was called now for all the cool kids. How shite some of the special effects. So he has taken his time, he stepped away, this has been a labour of love for a while, he has went full Navi, he's created a culture, and he's, I think he's created a whole language for it, and there's all these different communities and different races on the planet, on the planet of Pandora, that he has all got an outline there. So he's he's fully formed that in that way. But from a, just a visual point of view, like you've mentioned, special effects are stunning, but it just blows everything out of the water and makes you realise, I know I'm repeating myself, how shite some of the special effects have been in recent blockbusters. Yeah. No, 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 you're absolutely right, because I think what's key to that there is the fact that he has taken 13 years to develop this. I know he had, you know time developing scripts he realized okay well this isn't really going to be one story it's going to be two and then three stories or whatever so he created like a writer's room to try and um you know pad the thing out to sustain substantial sorry story over a course of a few films rather than just the one but at the same time in that time effects have developed and in the background he was working on you know making sure they were up to par and as good as they could possibly be Whereas you watch something like, or even you hear news of like the next Marvel film, they seem to just rush through things. And from reports you hear at last minute, they decide to change scenes altogether. And it gives the special effects teams little to no time to try and do the best job possible, which is why they come out, you know, below par. And like you mentioned Jurassic World Dominion there, there's a scene in it where I think like one of the raptors is just running through force and it looks like it's just moving in a smooth straight line. It doesn't look like a creature actually running. It's just like a straight, it's like... like But that's that's how dinosaurs, 
hunted you? Well, maybe. We don't know. You know, mm-hmm. they, they could have had, you know, scientists on board to say, no, 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 see that actually walking like an actual animal? They didn't do that. They just glided like Dracula into a room, you know? James Cameron would know. He knows. He would know. All. You know, you'd be waiting about 15 years for the next Jurassic World film, but he would know. Well, he was actually supposed to do the original Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. but then he realised that, uh, no, I think Spielberg got in before him. He's like, yeah, you got a point there, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so there's, there's a lot to kind of unpack what we're kind of saying. Um, I... I didn't know what to expect when I went in. I have talked for quite some time on the TV show, just among friends. I have had to, I've really struggled to muster any enthusiasm for the film. Because it was like, who is it really for? It's been that long since the first one was out. Was there really a need for another trip to Pandora? Not the shop, the planet. Do we need more Unobtainium, and clearly James Cameron has moved on from Unobtainium because it's not mentioned anymore. There's much more of a kind of eco thread and kind of the kind of a global conscious about kind of what's going on in the world, and we need to kind of preserve nature things because there's space whales, listeners. Free Willy in space. Free Willy in space. You went full Pandora because you, before we started recording, knew almost instantly the name of what the I just call them space whales. I, I don't know. I think they're like. Ta- ta- I, ta- ta- Joe, I just ta- built. Ta- I, just, I just built you up, Joe, oh. as a Navi expert, and you're like, uh, not. Uh, uh, that's that's like taking some of the Jurassic words. Like, what do you call them? Um, uh, Tyring. Ty- oh, here, no, no, no. When it comes to dinosaurs, I know them. I have an encyclopedic knowledge because of my love for dinosaurs as a child. So don't even go into that. Mm. Uh, don't pull in that thread. Listeners, email in your questions for Joe on all things dinosaur related. Tell me what is your favorite thing about a Pachycephalosaurus? Yeah. Well, what's yours? Just a big dome head on them. Like, oh, remember yeah. in the Lost World, just knocks your fell through the car door? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just prefer T Rexes, you know, great killers, but tiny hands. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. We're getting sidetracked to talk about Jurassic World. And I often like to talk about Jurassic World. So, um, I don't know. Were you excited about this? I mean, as much as I love James Cameron as a filmmaker, there is a part of me that does kind of rue the fact that for two films we're talking here, so 2009, I'm trying to think what his last, was his last film really, because I know he did some projects, was his last film before that, Titanic? Yeah, like there was a few documentaries so that in was between, 97, but... I mm-hmm. think, so that's 97, 2009, now 2022. The amount of films we could have maybe seen him make if he hadn't just went full kind of... Uh, Full native with Navi. I don't know. There, there is that part of me that does sit and go, mm. I mean, as much as I love and appreciate these films as a big screen spectacle, there is a part of me goes, I wish maybe we would have got one or two more films from James Cameron rather than just being so, going so deep on these. Yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, coming back to my, my question where I went off on a tangent, you know, as I said, listeners, new podcasts, same old problems. Did you, or were you excited about this film in the, in the run-up to its release? Well, excited's probably not the word I would use. I'd say it's more along the lines of intrigued. I was really, you know, interested in knowing, like, what's he going to do with this now, you know, okay, because when we last leave things off, Jake has just, you know, officially become a Navi, you mm-hmm. know, he's transferred his consciousness into a Navi body. So it was like, right, where's this going to go? And then you start hearing elements, oh, it's about him and Natiri's family and humans are coming back to Pandora and stuff like that. So it was like, okay, well, I'm curious to know how they're going to continue that with trying to do something new and different than just 
a bog standard blockbuster but at the same time it's a case of I'm always interested to see what James Cameron can put on screen next because he always seems to try and top himself in every possible way through be it story or like you said special effects earlier like he's always someone who's looking to test himself and push the boundaries of film yeah because I know we're going to be talking about true lies in a couple of weeks you know, generally you think about James Cameron. He's another one a bit like Chris Dolan. He's always over the years tried to do so much in camera. Throughout, I think we think of the Terminator films, particularly Terminator 2, with those special effects and some of the big action sequences. True Lies is another one I know, as I say, we we're going to be talking about. But he tries to do so much in camera. Then I was always intrigued kind of, when he's doing that. So it's all through mocap and, and things like that. And, you know, still, because I think I read somewhere, Kate Winslet is in this film and she's broke. There's another reason Tom will be raging because I think she broke his record for being underwater, for holding her breath underwater. Yeah, her just like seven and a half minutes and I think he only managed like just close to seven minutes oh, with the Mission Impossible film. Tom's going to hate Avatar. He's like that fucking film. Those blue no. fucking Smurfs in, face, in no, space. He, he, James Cameron's going to kill him because he's going to like go, okay, seeing Dead Reckon in part two, I'm going to hold my breath for ten minutes. I don't care. <laughs> It's just going to be, the opening's going to be like the video to no surprises, just his head under a bowl of water for 10 minutes, <laughs> holding his breath. That's all it's going to be. And uh, Do you know what? I'd pay to watch that. So would I. On the big in screen, IMAX. in IMAX. 3D. I want, to, I want to be in that bowl with him, you know? Yeah, I'm up for that. For I'm up for that. So Tom, if you're listening, you know, for Dead Reckoning 3, you know, because you first two, you've already kind of done, um, you know, after that big jump in the helicopter, or after that big jump, he's just going to jump down and just get his head. On a bowl, a big fish bowl. He's going to do the jump with the bowl on his head. That's how he, he's just pushing the boundaries of you know in camera stunts. He's he doesn't care. Tom Cruise listeners pushing the boundaries of cinema and uh, etc. So I, I kind of forget where we went with that. We, we I kind of got Tom Cruise. If, in my if head. I was excited for Avatar, yes, excited for Avatar. I I think the trailers just didn't do anything for me. They were seemingly like oh, it's like how great it is to be back in Pandora and. They didn't, re- I, you know, I am the hypocrite. I am the biggest hypocrite on this podcast because I hate trailers that give away what everything's about. But then when we get a trailer that it's like, oh, here we are back in Pandora, sweeping camera, space whales, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, well, give me a fucking clue about what it's about. And I could never muster any excitement. And I know a lot of people got excited, but the last one, which seemed to be much more violence heavy and I know that's something I know we can talk about because James Cameron has kind of said over the years his attitudes to gun violence have changed he wouldn't make the type of films he made before you know True Lies um, the Terminator films etc Aliens because of his reaction to the mass shootings in America and throughout the globe basically and his attitudes so I think he cut 12 minutes wasn't it 12 minutes yeah. of footage from the from the final film just to say he he just more or less called them gun pornography so I mean it's interesting to see and hear him evolving as a filmmaker but coming back and as we kind of record that a little face of him just popped up but anyway um, it's interesting to hear of him evolving as a filmmaker and yes as you mentioned can come back to what you said Joe he did and he has pushed boundaries with the CGI I, I thought the film was perfectly fine serviceable enjoyed it much more than the first one I think it it is long I was never bored, but it did feel like I was watching like the Lord of the Rings extended cuts by Peter Jackson. There was times I go, if you really needed, you could cut this down to at least two and a half hours 
Now, I texted you because we recorded the Christmas episode of the NVTV show, which is available on our YouTube channel, where we talked about four different Christmas carols. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We all felt very festive. But um, you came in very enthusiastic and you were the one person that made me go, OK, I'm going to make an effort to see this. Went to see it on the 30th of December, last cinema trip for the year. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, loved it. But I came out of it and said, you know what? I think the first thing I texted you was, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but too much space wheels. Too much his best friend is a wheel. And you know what I responded to you? That was my <laughs> favourite part of the film. Do you want to tell our listeners exactly what what that sequence? Because, well, we should mention, so, you know, in typical Band of Flicks way, we went off on a tangent. We've kind of went full, kind of down that whole rabbit hole. We don't know where how to get ourselves back. So... You've talked about this instalment being much more family focused. We have um, family members with Sam, not Sam Rockwell, Sam Worthington's character and Zoe Saltana's character. They've now set up a family in Pandora. That family is threatened. They have to leave the jungle and go to the oceans. The different race, bigger tails and... They're more water-based. Water-based. There we go. There's a nice kind of slimline way of saying that. And it just so happens... Is it is I think it's Jake's their second oldest son. Yeah, because that is one thing I will criticise. So apart from we have Sigourney Weaver back, I don't know whether how much of a spoiler or not that is. I don't think it is. Everyone knows she's on the posters and everything. She's, she's on the promoted poster. the film. She's yeah. on the poster. She's promoting it, but she's not playing the character she was in the first film. She's now no. reincarnated. Is she reincarnated? She's I don't not. No. It, the weird thing is, she was born from her Navi avatar, so yes. they're wondering, like, well, who got her up the duff when she was? Yeah, there's a, a lot Navi. of people. There's a lot of people talk about that. They do make a lot of references to who knocked her up. Um, but yes, so she's their adopted daughter, but they have three. Yeah, they have they have two boys and a girl. The second oldest, I'm going to say, with struggle, no, is. is struggling to find his place. He doesn't get on too best with the locals. They set him out to sea. And there's a bit like kind of like Moby Dick-esque monster who just happens to befriend and his best friend becomes a whale who is in space. And I felt there was as much as I liked the sentiment behind it, it was like, okay, we really don't need more footage of him just staring into, you know, space whale's eyes. Tell me what happened. Tell me about your day, space whale. No, no, no. You you mock and you joke. But that... (laughs) Oh god! Uh, no, no. The thing about that there <laughs> section. <laughs> What's that space whale? <laughs> uh, no, but I think that part is you know it, it's as long as it needs to be because it really adds to you know the satisfaction you get from the third act when sure. okay. it yeah. happens, right? But it's because them two characters are basically outsiders and within their own sort of communities, and that they're. And the way they're able to come together and form a friendship, I thought it was nice. It's a nice thing. And it's a nice touch that you don't see in a lot of blockbusters now where they take the time to sort of, you know, delve into these sorts of themes. Everything seems a bit too rushed now. Or they have to replace it with a quip or forced comedy. And it doesn't work all the time. Whereas this here, you know, was a bit more, like I was saying, a bit more emotional resonance in it. I get that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think it's... If I was to sit and say, right, we, we accuse filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino, like your stuff could be edited with a chainsaw I'm not saying cut it I'm just saying you could remove maybe Streamline. 10 minutes off it 10 minutes of 
here that wheel made me cry so stop doing that that's the key thing i wanted to say because you didn't say i was kind of get you to put you on the spot to say that that sequence made you cry yeah there's like a flashback sequence like the wheel has a flashback sequence i know that sounds stupid offhand but watch the film you'll understand completely and you will bawl your eyes out it's very sad okay i think with the fact that we've mentioned that one of jake's children has a best friend who's a wheel i think we've ventured into spoiler territory so i think what we should do now is say to anyone if you've got this far and you haven't watched the film i think we'll maybe say come back or if you if you know if you don't care you know we're going to play some wheel sounds and then we already have (laughs) we're going to play some professional wheel sounds some wheels on earth and then come back and we'll talk in spoilerific detail so you can't say we didn't warn you So, Joe, the Earth Wheels have warned us we're now in spoilerific territory. So, I guess, you know, I don't know how much of a spoiler it is. So, we have Stephen Lang is back. Is it is Quaritch? Yeah, Quaritch. Well, he's not really back. So, there's a Navi clone of him who just very... I mean, this is my thing, right? So, we spend 15, 20 minutes, you know, going off about how his best friend is a space wheel. And there's just like a second where they go, right, see this box? Yeah, see this box? It doesn't really work as an audio medium, but see this box, guys? This is all Quaritch's memories from the first one up until a certain point. Boom, we've made him into uh, a Navi clone and he's going to, it was kind of Aliens-esque, this troop of kind of marine grunts that are going to find and hunt Jake down. That's my point. It's like, okay, you'll do that in a second and people aren't going to go, hang on a minute. Let's just fucking explain that for a second. How is all his memories in that little box? But at the same... Yeah, no, it's fine. It's like, you can just go with it. It's like the Chris Nolan thing. It's like, whose dream am I in now? It's like, you've just got to pick, you just got to keep up, kids. I think you could easily have done the same with his best friend as a space wheel. I like that it took its time. That's I okay. Just, We're not going to disagree. Because it, it helped me just be more swept up within the world. And I know there's other scenes that actually do that, like Scorny Weaver and how she interacts with uh, the world around her and stuff like that and um, oh Jesus there's another stuff like there's stuff where she's just sitting staring at sand and you're like come pa- on Parmy thinks that's leading somewhere maybe in future installments but I don't know just yet it's it's hard to know it's one of those things probably until we James, get James if you're listening email in is is Scorny Weaver's character staring at sand going anywhere it could be could, could be. be well well the thing is I heard the next maybe installment it's all, Joe, like, Joe maybe it's all misdirection yeah. Well, maybe, but the thing is, the next one's going to a fire world, apparently. But we're getting Vin Diesel and Michelle Yeoh because they actually filmed their stuff. You know they did two and three back to back? It's because they love family, that's why. Exactly. That was the deal breaker for Vin Diesel. It's like, here, you have to establish family in two. We can offer you five million pounds, Vin. No, it's not enough. Six? No. No. Okay, we'll offer you five million and the whole base is is on family. Sold. I'm in. As long Sorry. as I play like a fair navy, yeah, <laughs> I have to be cool. <laughs> I'd maybe just like it if just randomly, just Riddick just happens to appear. Could be there. Are we you know crossing the universe, right? Okay, so Quaritch is back yeah. in sorts. There's a child of Quaritch. I don't remember being in the first one. No, no. It, it's see, there seems to be a lot of retrofit and the fact that it's just like, oh yeah, remember you're going in that big battle at the end, yeah. Uh, we're going to take all your memories up to that point, just in case you die. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that brings in you, Spider, his yeah. son, uh, who stays on Pandora after the humans Did leave. You, because this is this is maybe more me than anything else. So there's Spider in this, but I kept thinking about Spider from Carnation Street. This is one for the kids. 
Because Spider, I think, came back recently in no, Coronation I, Street. I thought of Spider and Goodfellas. I was, so, I was waiting for Joe Pesci to show up and start shooting them. <laughs> That's all I could think of. I was like, oh, no. No, get that out of my head. But uh, it went soon enough, just as I was getting into the film. Danch, danch. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take his grape. I've dug grapes before. <laughs> right. Yes, so we have him back. And then there's this kind of kind of plot that's kind of, as I mentioned, is an eco-theme. So the Z-Space wheels are being hunted now by mankind because it helps. Is it prevent aging or prevents brain disorders? Like, um, I think it's aging. I think aging, it stops yeah, the aging. aging. So they're being hunted, and this is what I mean, these big, massive, big whales. And they're being hunted for literally, like, milligrams of this. So yeah. we, we get all that, and we kind of get the references here to kind of the whaling industry that's, you know, mostly, I, th- I believe... This is me being ignorant as Northern Irish 40-year-old male has mostly kind of been outlawed. I know it still kind of exists, I believe, illegally. I think in some international waters they still do it. they still do do it. So that's brought in. There's an element, as I mentioned, of kind of Moby Dick. So Mm -hmm. we have these amazing hoverboats hunting. I mean, those sequences I find really tough. The hunting, like you were talking about sequences kind of with Space Whale. I mean, I didn't cry when, you know, Jake's son was having a big chat about how was your day? <laughs> All good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do? <laughs> I don't know where I went with that one. But the sequences where we see these wheels being hunted, I find it really tough. And I guess it's intentionally there to kind of shock us as audiences to go, well, you know, yeah, this is not just happening in Pandora. This is happening and has happened over the years here. Brought back memories for me from Star Trek uh, 4. Oh yeah, that's the. I haven't seen it, but I know it's got it's the some of the two wheels. Yeah, there's a lot of (laughs) in that. So yeah, those are the two films I'm throwing in as reference points: Star Trek Four and Moby Dick. We've got a lot in there. That sequence I find really tough, but um, yeah, I mean he's back. I don't know. I mean I like the kind of nods to and the callbacks to aliens and the kind of Marines that. James Cameron knows how to do all that kind of stuff, how to get mm-hmm. grunts kind of interacting with each other. I know he said his attitudes have changed towards gun violence and all that stuff. But I don't know. It takes a certain element of risk out of the feature. When we know in this film, in this world now, characters who die can be reincarnated. And characters who die that are from Earth can just be brought as clones. So, I mean... Mm. There is an element at the very end of this film. I think the film makes a, well, it makes an interesting decision and in where it's going to go or where it might potentially go in the third one where a character, you think they're dead and it just so happens someone saves them. So you're like, because I was kind of going, I said, well, that character's, he might be dead. He or she might be dead. But you could, you've still got these, this gives away that whole kind of, there's no point in being, being mysterious. You've still got all his records. You could just bring him back again. I'm waving my phone at Joe, by the way. Just imagine. And, you know, that I can is. see the records as the near. <laughs> yeah, but Joe, you know I mean, that kind of yeah. takes the risk out of everything going forward. It's it's the kind of thing. It's like bringing back the Fast and Furious characters that are supposedly the dead. They yeah, ain't, like they Gal, ain't. Gal Gadot's coming back in one yeah, of them. Gal Gadot's coming like, back. She fell out of a plane. <laughs> uh, but um, no, see, the thing is, right. What you're saying is right, but at the same time, I felt genuine stakes throughout it because you could feel that any character could die at any moment, especially in the third act when a major character does die and they don't follow the logic you just explained because of who they are. So then you're like, well, whoa, it hits you. do they not, though? Because then... Can we talk about the thing? 
Yeah, let's. Talk. We, yeah. We've we've said there's it's spoilers. The the uh, Jake and Natiri's oldest son dies. Yeah, but he's a Navi. You know, he's yeah. not someone you could really clone. But he is then whatever. seen being sent back to Mother Earth or the, the whatever they call what? it. Yeah, he they they put him out to sea and then he floats down and then he's kind of oh he's one with Ewa and all that. Ewa, it's one not yeah, AOL. He's, he's, I hate AOL from my fucking days of broadband back <laughs> in the days, bastards. But he's, he's I don't know. I could see him being. Reincarnated. I I don't know where I went with reincarnated of sorts. No, it's like even going back to the MCU, like when James Gunn talks about, he's always constantly going, Oh, you're going to bring back this character? And he's like, Nope, they're dead. That's it. He didn't say it right. They said they did. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, they did. I don't know. I just have this sense that anybody who possibly dies on Pandora may at some point come back in some shape or form because that's the whole thing about this kind of like. The, the fact that the, there, is, there is a big thing a subplot about reincarnation and things like that we yeah. mentioned with Sigourney Weaver's character etc that the, the uh, you know the, what is it we're calling it not AOL Avi oh, Ewa Ewa yeah that's Ewa. like the Mo, they're their mother earth Gaia toss like, yes you know. that it's all about life and life is cyndical and you know you, you live and you die and then you come back and then mm-hmm. there is a sequence I think it's it is a flashback I'm pretty certain where they showed the, the oldest son being born. I do believe that's a flashback, but part of me yeah. for a second was like, oh, has he just been reincarnated just like that? I will throw this out with the 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 Sully children, particularly the two boys. I struggled just to go for a long time, who's who? No, you're right. No, I, I did. at the To begin with, I was like, right, which one's which? But then it's only whenever you see them in scenes together... You can tell just by their height difference, but that's about it. But when it's them, when they go off on their separate adventures, then you're like, okay, I can kind of tell the difference. But at the same time, it is very difficult. Like, you should have had maybe something more distinguishable in terms of height. One of them look. should have worn a hat. Exactly. It's a cowboy hat. <laughs> cowboy hat in the water and all that. Would have known straight away, boom, he's the oldest. Pair of speedos. Aye. With the whole cut out for his tail. Because the thing is, there's no problem with the identifying the younger, the youngest daughter because it's just a little child. Yeah. It's easy enough. She's easy enough. Sigourney Weaver's character is easy enough because, like, you can see a bit of Sigourney Weaver in yeah, her face. Yeah, and then there is a sequence because we're in spoiler territory, where there's a like a dream sequence of sorts where she meets Sigourney Weaver's character from the first film. Yeah, her mother technically. Yeah, and it's it's a it, it's weird in the fact that they're both doing the same voice, and you're like, that's both Sigourney Weaver. But, yeah. You know, hey, I will pay to watch Sigourney Weaver in pretty much anything. Yeah. So it's it's a minor, but I just it was a little thing. Was like well, that's a little bit weird, but I don't know. That was my that was one of my gripes that I had scribbled down, but I don't have my notes in front of me. You wouldn't know, listeners, that this is a show I didn't really record for, or I didn't really prepare for, but I had made that note at the time. That's like some of the two, the two older the two brothers or the two old the two oldest children I find a little bit interchangeable, yeah. and then that is why maybe I didn't have that huge punch at the end of the film that maybe you had or some other viewers have. But I will say this, you do not fuck with Zoe Saldana's character. No. She, no, no. damn. <laughs> she just take that bone arrow and just fuck everything up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like the term anymore, but badass female characters mean she is pretty badass yeah. in this film. You know, Jake's doing his thing. He's the grunt that's went uh, native and things like that. And the jarhead who's trying to be moved from being, and I think that's something a little bit is kind of underdeveloped, where he kind of alludes to is like he's a jarhead, he's trying to figure out how to be, you know, a father, how he's been to be a husband when all he kind of knows is is war and how to fight wars and stuff. I mean, that's a little bit 
underdeveloped for me. Maybe that's going to be something they're going to go with down the line. But um, I thought there was times, I mean, Zoe Saltana's character, she isn't really given that much to do. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, she isn't, other than those those sequences where we talk particularly the end upon uh, on, on board the hoverboat, you know, she's, she gets time to show herself there and then there's stuff where that boat, uh, when spoilers, is, is sinking and she's got some great stuff with her daughter and her, yeah, with her daughter. But I think a ta- there's, in the middle section, she's lost and there's a lot of stuff between, the, you know, the two brothers, this new group of Navi that they've kind of encountered and Jake, even Jake to an extent isn't really given mm. that much to do. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just rambling now, well, but I mean, was that thought something for you? Yeah, to an extent, but I think the purpose of that was to develop these new characters more, but it is uh, to the detriment of, you know, you know the, the further journey of, you know, Jake and Natiri, because all their interactions and their screen teams mainly like, oh, uh, you know, you're, how are we going to handle these children and this new place that we have to move to and stuff like that there? It's just basic stuff, you know, there's nothing overly developed with it. Um, I think... The, conclu- the way the film concludes does open the door in the next mm-hmm. installment for a lot more development between them two. So I'm hoping that is the case. Uh, where it's like, you know, you've Natiri who's lost so much in the first one, then she loses, a, you know, something very immediate and close in this one. You're like, you know, how much can a person take before they completely crack? And then it's Jake, you know, he's lost a child now. And there's a bit where he's just sort of half lashes out at his actual is is the younger son, but he can understand at the same time. So, be interested to see how you know his um, dynamic with his family develops in the yeah. next one. But uh, I'm, that that's what that, that's the thing actually that's getting me looking forward to the next one more than the first one would. Have yeah, had just hope you don't to have this. to be like fifty with the time it's out in cinemas. No, no, it's two years. He has it done. Yeah, oh, that's why he. Did well, he all has the, the live action stuff done. I don't know. Oh, if the all effects this... are like post now. He's okay. more. Le- he's he's more or less got it done. Okay, so you and I have been largely positive about this. I think largely critics critics have been semi-divided on it. I know that brings me to one point. I know I did want to raise with you because you were quite annoyed with a certain well-known film critic who I yeah. admire greatly. So do I, to be honest. But you were a bit peeved. And if you want to throw a couple of comments about well, that, then we will mention some, we've had some comments about Avatar, The Way of the Water. I think the difference between the critical reception, it's weird, it seems more... American film critics seem to be latching onto it more than, say, UK and European critics at large. Uh, I don't know why, to be honest with you, because it's it does seem like a universal sort of film that you know has a lot of stuff that appeals to you know people all over the world, which is probably why it's doing so well at the box office worldwide. Um, but yeah, the my problem with that critic, I will not name him. Name but, them. It's Mark Carmode. Uh, it's Mark Carmode. Yeah, his review it wasn't really a review. That's what annoyed me. Like, when I was trying to get to understand, okay, well, why didn't you? Like, he just said it's dull, and then he just did a silly voice about Navi and that, and you're like, okay, that's funny once, but he does it about 20 times throughout the review, and you're going, you're a grown Did man. he Come go on. into a weird Italian-esque accent in no, the style of the House of Gucci? Baba da Bope. See, that's the thing. That's funny once With or a Navi, Baba da Bope. <laughs> I'm Jared Leto, I'm a Navi. Thank God he hasn't been signed off to any of the films, put it that way. But that's the thing, he's, that's what he seems to be doing now a lot more, is just 
doing weird things out there. Yeah, he's successful, of... Joe. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we should just scrap this talking for nearly 40 minutes about the film and just rip the piss out of it and call it Fern Gully with Smurfs in space. Yeah, with a bit of Free Willy and Moby Dick and everything. It's It's got everything. Yeah, and that's why it's a pile of crap, yeah. And, and talk about the Navi. Oh, no, it's the way of the water. Oh no! I'm getting like flashbacks now. I feel like I'm back in the jungles of Cambodia. <laughs> I need to get in the last chopper I say go. Right. So yeah, you. But yeah, no, no. It just, I, it I do agree with you because I had heard his review of the film before I seen it. I had read a couple of. I think Empire had given it quite a strong review. Mm. I'd heard Helen O'Hara, who I admire a lot, and you know, rec- I you know I. I would listen to her thoughts in films, you know, quite often. She had been quite positive. Mark Kermit was probably the most negative. I think, uh, was it James King? I think was another one who found it very dull and long. Mm. Bradshaw, um, I think, didn't like it. Yeah. I think it got like two out of five. Yeah, but Bradshaw Gordon. probably just sat with his review and just told you what happened. <laughs> yeah, but what did you think? And don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> That's not important. That's not the point of what a film critic should do. Yes. But, um, yeah, it was, as I come back, it was you actually said, you know, Jim, I really liked it. It's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it mm. a go. And, yeah, as I come back to my point, you liked it, I liked it. I just think there's too much of his best friend's a whale and it kept making me think of that sequence in The Simpsons with Ron Howard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it did make me think of that. It's like, I, I can just imagine, you know, we know how James Cameron got aliens made. He just basically went alien, added the S and turned the S into the dollar signs. I would imagine he just went in and said, right, well, I want to make Avatar 2. Okay, yeah, it was a lot of money, James. His best friend is a talking wheel. You've yes. done it again, James. Walks out with two money bags. So <laughs> here we go. Right, We're going to wrap up this pod, but um, we had a couple of comments and one that actually okay. feeds in well. So Paddy on Twitter, who goes by the name of hashtag Irish Paddy, you know, very you know, modern in 2022. Um, he thought it was brilliant. Maybe could have done with around 20 minutes in the middle cut out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to imagine, Paddy, you were the same as me. You were like, yeah, cut out some wheels. Yeah, if we want to watch Free Willy, you can watch Free Willy. Uh, we've got a couple of comments here about another film we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks. But uh, I did see, as I scroll through, Adam Neeson, who oh. has been on this pod before, he's been on the TV show before. We all love Adam. Oh, I Good lad, Adam. We all love Adam. You know, we might disagree with his thoughts. You and I, well, you might disagree with his and I thoughts on Bulletproof, or not Bulletproof, Bullet Train. No, no don't. You know, don't want that weak film. We, we had a lot of fun with that film. But uh, let me just get these comments up and uh, I'm just going to get you to, to, to do some music for a second for us, Joe. Some party music. Right, have you got it yet? No. No, I've got it. All right. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. okay. So Adam, I believe, enjoyed Avatar The Way of the Water, although I'm just going to throw that into his mouth because I'm not sure exactly from this. Um, so his questions actually was, would you enjoy seeing Arnie in Avatar for? Yes, I actually thought when they were developing too, he was going to like sort of take over from the Quartz role and be that sort of military heavy. He's like, yeah, Quartz was a pussy. I'm going to actually get things done here in Pandora. Yeah, I can see Arnie in that, you know, there's hope yet. And then secondly, which leads us well, because as we mentioned in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about True Lies because that film's on Disney Plus. He would like to hear our best impressions of Arnie saying The Way of the Water. 
are you, do you want to go first or will I? Well, what I thought we would do, right? I'm going to let you go first and I'm going to go into IMDb. I'm going to get some some lines from the film. I'm going to get some quotes from the film. So I thought I okay. might try and deliver them in an Arnie line just to open this out. So let me see. Details keyword. This is more Paddy music we need at this point. Just throw in the wheels while we're at it. You know, that common, like, you know, music you get when you're on hold. It's no, really just wheels do, talking. You can't do... <laughs> Please oh. hold. <laughs> right. I can't find it. I can't find it. <laughs> you can't find it. Can't... Okay, there we go. Um, okay, so I've got some quotes now. Okay, it's actually Arnie, just a wheel. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he did that impression in Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, when he, the was, he was ahead of the game. So, yeah, so Adam would like to hear our impressions of Arnie saying the way of the water. I'll let you go first. Just the way of the water? Yeah. The way of the water. That's good. The way of the water. Uh, let me think. So I'm going to go. So what does a heartbeat sound like? Um... I don't know where I'm going. I see you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> it's the way of the water, you idiot. Stop whining. Let's get this done. <laughs> I'll be Navi. <laughs> For Ewa. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's another thing about the film when you think about it. It doesn't really have that many memorable lines, does it? Uh, let me see. I'm just going to find if we get another one there. This is a home. Although that is technically... Uh, <laughs> Family is our fortress. <laughs> Get on the ship and find the seat and keep out of the way. Hello, that is Spider. So, yes, so, uh, actually, I apologise, that's Quaritch, actually. So, that would actually fit it quite well. So, there we go. Mm. So, I think that brings, on that Annie-related note... Put that Navi down! <laughs> now! <laughs> Hasta la vista, Navi! <laughs> no, not doing anymore. Cool. This madness has to end. Yes, uh, so that's going to bring an end to this podcast. So, thank you for listening. Uh, this is the start of the brand new series. We will have uh, another episode next week. And it's a special episode. I'm going to be speaking to the producers and writers of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I you know we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the TV show, but that's a lifetime ago away now because it was last year. But you have that to look forward to next week. So don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And all that's been left for me to do now is thank you very much, Joe. Thanks very much, Jim. Goodbye. Goodbye.